Welcome to the Problem is Not the Problem Thinking Development Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Aki Udubito, a medical doctor, medical literacy expert, thinking skills evangelist, and author of the book, Common Errors in Thinking, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Scribd, Apple Bookstores, and everywhere else you get books. Thinking is the fundamental human resource. Change your thinking, change your world. All problems are thinking problems. All solutions are thinking solutions. If you want a better world, then better your thinking. All right? Excellent. Today's topic is... <laughs> um, it's a really tricky one. It's the, the gun, the mass shooting problem in the United States of America. The mass shooting problem in the United States of America. Now, I want to approach this podcast not based on my opinions, which I do have about the matter. Instead, I want us to go through this in a way that teaches us about the thinkings that have gone around the entire conversation. And just to teach you some thinking skills and thinking tools you can use when engaging a topic, any topic for that matter, really. All right. Um, and, and the issue of mass shootings, specifically mass shootings in school, is obviously a delicate one. You know, nobody wants to see children killed. Nobody wants to have people die, needless death. Yeah. Um, and so we want us to as opposed to just stating my view and, you know, sh- shoving it down people's faces. Instead, I'd like us to, let's use it as a use case, okay? We'll use it as a use case to explore how we can do effective thinking, how thinking can be more effective, all right? Great. Um, so, first is, among other things, yeah, among other things, yeah, when you have a really, really sensitive topic, it's the, the Sixth Thinking Hats Methodology by Dr. Edward de Bonham. One of its genius was in putting up the red hat. The red hat refers to, so in the Sixth Thinking Hats, if you're familiar with them, if not, let me give you a quick summary. There, there's a black hat, a white hat, a red hat, a yellow hat, and a blue hat, as well as a green hat. Black, white, red, yellow, blue, green. Six thinking hats. The red hat is there, and it's representative of feelings. Feelings, 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 feelings. How something makes you feel. One of the problems when we talk about thinking and when we teach thinking is... Many people think that thinking should be, in quote of quote, objective. People say things like, Sissy, let's remove sentiment from it. Uh, people say things like, uh, listen, this is not, let's not get all emotional here. But if you, if you preclude, if you exclude emotions from a thinking process, because we are emotional beings, eventually 
those emotions will creep back. However, this time, those emotions will creep back disguised as logic. Let me say that again. When you're dealing with a sensitive topic and you're talking to people and you guys want to do a thinking session, do not, I, I want to encourage you not to use words like, um, let's, let's not be emotional about this or mm, let's forget sentiments for now. Let's be objective. Now, because when you use those words, what then happens is you have not given, you have refused the legitimacy of how someone else is feeling about that topic. And when he feels that his feeling is no longer legitimate or acceptable to be used in that context, what then happens is that he then, because he, he or she is still an emotional creature, she will, that person will take the emotions and then disguise them as some kind of logic. And in that disguise, there will be a lot of... It, what's the word? Rejection of facts. Things that are antithetical to actual objective thinking. There will be a lot of rejection of facts. Now, remember, facts are different from truth. Fact is a piece of information that is objectively verifiable. The standards of objectivity may differ from case to case, from scenario to scenario, but that is what a fact is. That's different from an opinion. An opinion is what I think about a fact. And that itself is different from truth, which is what actually happened, irrespective of the fact and opinion. There is truth. And there is the, the thing they call my truth, your truth, our truth, and then the truth. The truth. And the truth is something, is the, is the grail, is the holy grail of, of thinking. It is objectively, it's supposed to be objectivity primus. At its peak, at its most, it's, it's in the realm of what we say, God. In that, in, in that sense, that oh, God knows the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. That's the truth. That's not what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about fact. And we're talking about thinking. And we're thinking about we're talking about conscious thinking. All right. So let's go back to the topic. Now remember, in Edward the Bono's model around thinking, one of the things he said is that in the six thinking has methodology. He brought in the red hat. The red hat stands for passion. So I could, I could just quickly run you through. So the white hat stands for information. In every thinking exercise, you have to have information, the right information. And this is a huge, huge gap in political discourse, even in social discourse, in cultural discourse, even financial discourse. We do not understand the real place and space of information for any intelligent debate to be had between two people one of the things they need to do first 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 is to agree on what sources of information are required and needed and where those things should be sourced from when there's no consensus on information the debate is already lopsided, irrespective of whether the 
um, the topic of debate is good or bad, left or right, up or down, black or white. Once we do not agree on the core piece of information, we ain't going to be in trouble. So, so that's the white hat. The black hat is not the opposite of the white hat. The black hat refers to judgments. You know, what are, you know, black, black, you know, think judge, you know, judgments. It's um, what are the disadvantages, what are the downsides, what are the negatives about this matter. It's opposite is the yellow hat, which is what are the advantages of this thing. I am extremely skeptical when you tell somebody, say, I tell somebody that, tell me something good about this other person or something good about this situation. If that person cannot say anything good, that person is thinking poorly. That person is thinking poorly. That person is thinking poorly. You get every coin has three sides. But that's a different topic for a different topic for a different day. All right. Um, so white hat refers to information. Think about you know like a white sheet, blank piece of paper. What is there? Information. White hat. Black hat. What are the downsides? What are the disadvantages? What are the negatives? It's opposite the yellow hat. What are the positives? What are the advantages? What are the good things? What are the upsides? Right? All right. So that's the the the, the, the yellow hat. The blue hat um, refers to think about the sky. You know? So it's about overview. What are we trying to achieve here? It's about setting an agenda. It's about thinking around outcomes. What do we want to get out of this thinking session? Right? And then we get to the green hat. The green hat refers to is now focuses on creativity and it says hey how can we engage this matter creatively in ways that can utilize the best of our personal experiences the best of our native intelligence the best of everything we do all right so um, green hat excellent then we talk about then then comes the red hat now the red hat refers to think red think heart think passion think blood okay the red hat is about, you know, how does this thing feel? Does it feel good? Does it feel bad? Are people happy? Are they sad, angry, confused? And the value of that red hat is the legitimacy it gives, the permission it gives for people to feel what they feel. And for that feeling not to be um, discounted or discarded simply because it's a feeling. No, if we exclude feeling from our thinking when we are thinking even as an individual or in groups what you have done is you've created a recipe for people now going to sneak their feelings in because irrespective of how objective we want to be we have emotions and so that those emotions come and they sneak and they disguise themselves in form of logic which then comes out as illogical and that's why you find ordinarily very intelligent people making weird points making really weird points so someone like ben shapiro would say oh um so, you know a man is a man a woman is a woman when you say transgender what and then he says don't talk about it but it is it is it is what it is or or um some of my huge <laughs> really huge fans uh, yeah. Patrick Bet David is a fantastic podcaster, a lovely interviewer, you know, but I really like his balanced approach. One of the things he could do to do better is to just create that space. Every time you're having debates, every time you have that kind of discussion, create the space for the use and the place for intelligence. Let people 
not feel vilified that they are being emotional or sentimental about something. Yes, bring the sentiment into the room, bring it in, but give it a chair. And let it express itself. And when it's done, we can now engage better together. We can engage better together. And that is part of what's interesting. It's, how, it's part of how you should have difficult conversation. Let there be a place and a space for emotions to be recognized, accept, accepted, even if it's not right, in quotes. And even if you don't like the emotion, in quotes, it needs to come out and it needs to be given legitimacy. It needs to, it needs to have a seat at the table because we're emotional beings, irrespective. All right? Great. Now let's go back to the topic. Now, I haven't called this a, I didn't title this as a gun safety or a gun control topic. I have kind of focused in on mass shootings in America. Mass shootings in America. Now, so in the last thing, month or two ago, there have been like really horrific killings by people. Um, I think the guy who did the one at Buffalo in New York is still alive. He, white supremacist, racist fellow, goes, carries a gun, and then goes to kill black people. And kills a good number. And I think the, the weekend after that, uh, some other chap who just turned 18, you know, took a gun, went to school, and killed 19 students, little kids. I think I don't think any of them was about 10 years old. He just killed everyone. And two teachers as well. And and that and don't that doesn't diminish you know, many times the focus is on the kids, but those teachers were human beings too. They were human beings too as well. And so so there is a problem. There is a problem. Now it's a really, really interesting problem. So now here's one of the things that you need to learn how to do as a thinker. When you have when a conversation comes up or a topic comes up that is within your alley, it's it's your it's your kind of thing, or you have strong emotions about it. And there's a little it's not that's not the best space to think from. Let me say that again. When you're dealing with a topic that is really dear to your heart. And you have to think about it, either as a person or in a group. The, the, the eye of the storm, the, the, the madness of the moment is not the best time and place and mental space to think about something effectively. So one of the tricks we, and tools we teach people about is how to create distance. Create, create useful distance. Create useful distance. Creating effective space between you and your problem. Because many times, so I, I was delivering a seminar the other day, and we were talking about, I asked, I, I can't quite remember, I'd asked, you know, how many people have different kind of problems, and they've shown, so, and then you find out that a lot of people, and so I just say simple, what's your problem? Someone says, oh, let's say I'm having issues at home, or at work. I say, okay, so if you close your eyes, how big is this problem? Is it, is it the size of a, of a cinema screen? Or is it the size of a TV screen? Or is it the size of a, 
of a of a tablet PC is the size of a phone. And how close is it to you? And what I found out many times is that you see, many times we have problems, very inside. So imagine you had a problem. So let's say let's assume now. So let's let's play, let's play it more practically. So you are in front when you're thinking about this mass shooting problem in American school, in America in general. It's possible that as you're in that moment and you're seeing it, it's like a big, it's like you're sitting um, like three inches away from a huge TV screen. It's a big problem and it's shining bright on your face. And because of how big it is in your head, it's difficult to think around it. So one of the tricks we teach people how to do is to double the distance between you and the problem mentally. So if you, and I tell people to like point, point to the problem. And say, oh, this is it. Show me the size and then the gesture with your hands. I say, okay, no problem. What I want you to do is to push that problem back at least twice the distance. Have you done that? Yes. It's easier to think about now. Um, a little, push it even further. It's easier to think about now. Yeah, yeah, it's better. Okay, now shrink the size of the screen into from, from like a cinema's level to TV. Yes. Is it easier to deal with? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Shrink it further to that of a tablet PC. It's easier to do it. Oh, much better. And you need to know when to stop because if you don't, there's a way you can even shrink it down. Say, oh, shrink it down to the size of a phone. And then the problem begins to look really, really small and not necessarily you being, you might not necessarily give it the, the kind of vigor and attention. So there is an ample size, you know, that the problem needs to be at in your mind from you for you to engage productively with that problem in a way that makes your thinking efficient, right? So no matter the size of the problem and no matter the topic of the problem, gun violence, love, hate, relationship, war, politics, um, religion, you know, faith, sickness, diseases, healthcare, education, it doesn't matter what the topic is. If the problem is too big in front of your face, you will not be able to you will not give your best. You will not leverage the best of your intelligence, of your native intelligence, of your experiences of life because it's too frigging close to your, to your eyes in your mind. So what you need to do is to push the screen back, double the, the distance from you. Triple it if you need to shrink it down to the best size that your mind feels is in that sweet spot where you can engage with it productively, usefully, and then emerge on the other side of it after engaging with the topic, all right? So, let me recap briefly. Anytime you have to think about a difficult topic, one of the best ways to do it is to create, is to create an effective space between you and the problem in your head, such that the problem becomes more manageable irrespective of how emotionally charged it could be for you, all right? Excellent, excellent. Now, so let's go to the mass shooting problem. So we're going to, treat, like I said, irrespective of my opinion on the matter, let's make this a, a thinking exercise, all right? So when you hear the simple phrase, mass shootings in America, one of the first things you need to do, like any other problem statement, is to measure, is to deconstruct the, the problem statement. Mass shootings in America. So, quickly, we go to mass. How many? You know. And I think by their standards, about four people shot at, whether they were killed or not. 
shootings, um, nobody's talking about arrows, <laughs> not bows and arrows, not blowpipes. It's, it's, it's guns, guns, all right? Different kinds of guns, handguns, whatever. AR-15s. Then in America, you know, and in America, when you bring in the America part of it, then you have to think about you know, the culture of the place, um, and there are many other dimensions to it. So in that America element, there's the Second Amendment, the right for people to bear arms as part of a well-regulated militia. <laughs> uh, interesting. But that's not today's topic. Yes, but the constitutional rights, constitutional rights to do that, one. Um, also, there's the, uh, the culture itself, gun culture in America. And people, I hear all the time people say, um, we have a right to defend ourselves. And such an interesting framing of a problem that you shouldn't even have. What about the right not to be attacked? Because when you frame it like that, then taking the way guns makes sense. I have a, do not, do I not have a right not to feel attacked, not to be attacked by somebody wielding a weapon of war in the times of peace. Does gun ownership for self-defense not mean that you are reserving your right to kill someone else? That's a very interesting thing. But now going to get a bit into the weeds. But let's deconstruct this. So mass, many people, um, shootings, guns, different kinds of guns, in America, talk about the gun culture, talk about the constitutional element of it, constitutional um, dimension to it, um, and everything else, cultural, you know, and, and there are lots of stuff that comes up, mental health, uh, mental health, uh, door, <laughs> doors, doors, <laughs> apparently doors to I think now, mental health, doors, um, um, the police, the police being able to arrive on time, issues about um, video games, first-person shooter games, violence on TV, on the media, and what have you. So that, that's the thinking, and thinking is those things all impact on the problem. So fantastic. So what we need to do, so when you have a problem set like this, we've deconstructed it carefully, mass shooting problems in America. We've talked about mass number of people and that that number of people also differs in many ways. That's where things like racism come in, where someone goes and shoots up a black church deliberately after doing Sunday school with them or whatever it is, they're just done Bible study and then the guy finishes, gets up and then goes, gets his gun and kills a lot of people. You know, so that mass is a very different thing from the Las Vegas shooter who was white and just picked targets at random and just kept shooting them. That's a different, the different kind of uh, issue. But mass and then shootings, we talked about guns and the various types of guns in America. We're talking about American culture and the constitutional element. We're talking about video games, first-person shooter games, um, normalization of violence in movies. And what have you? Right. So you've deconstructed the problem a bit in that way. Now, what you need to do next, if you if you really want to solve that problem, there are many ways to go about it. But the first thing I usually like people to do 
is to do a root cause analysis. And um, so, so there's a thinking tool we use for um, defining the scope of a problem or the dimensions of a problem. It's the five, w, five W's and one H. You know, why, what, who, when, where, and how. All right? So, so that's, that, that's one way. But, but that's not what we're talking about specifically here. But that's a really lovely tool to ca capture slash summarize a situation for a thinking exercise. So it's useful for at the beginning of the analysis, afterwards as well. I don't know, but we'll come back to that. But what I really want us to focus on this time is the idea of and the root cause analysis. When we use the five why, the five whys as a thinking tool. Now if you're not familiar, the five whys is about root analysis. And it's really simple to use, really. So it starts with, okay, so what's the problem? The problem is A, B, C, whatever. And then you ask, why is that a problem? And they say, okay, well, because of D, E, F. And they say, why is that a problem? Say, because of G, H, I. Why? JKL, why? And you, we, we say at least, well, let me say at, at most, on the average, let's say on the average, we use five whys. Because what then that does is for every why you ask, you are able to get to, you're getting closer to a root cause. However, there's a challenge in using the five whys as a thinking tool. And that challenge is knowing where to stop. So sometimes, especially if you're a skilled thinker, you can just ask why once one or two whys and you are already in your sweet spot. Extra whys after that and look to help. We can play the why game completely all the way up until everything is God's fault. <laughs> As it were. You can say, oh, you know, why did this happen? Well, because of that. Why did that happen because of this? Why did that happen because of them? Why because of me? Why because of my parents? Why because of my parents? My parents because of the of the yeah, king of my village. The king of my village because of the the colonizers. The uh, why because of the aliens that came. Oh, why because of the dinosaurs that were wiped. You get the point. You can go. You can play the white game into oblivion. What, however, should tell you when and where to stop is the, your locus of control. Which of these whys are you able to influence directly because it is your problem? Every problem is a thinking problem. Things do not make themselves difficult or impossible. It is the thinking behind it that is able to even recognize something in the first place. Not to now give it, not to give it the label difficult or impossible. The label difficult slash impossible are a reflection of the quality slash level of the thinker, as it were. So, so one of the things that really really discourage people from is to say, "Oh my God, this is not possible. This is this is a lost cause." No, 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 no. That's not the psychology for effective thinking. The psychology for effective thinking says, "Mm mm." Um, this is fixable. I am a thinker and I will be able to outthink this problem. I will outthink this problem. And here I go. Now, it may not work. It may not work. Or you might need more time 
you might need more resources so for example when you're doing a proper six hearts thinking um, engagement um one of the things so when you're doing it properly so use a blue hat to set the agenda and determine what the topic is or what we're here all right so immediately the next hat you should use is the white hat and the white hat is about information like i mentioned and so in an effective thinking session if we're not able to classify or organize or accept the key information pieces needed for that thinking exercise the the consensus is that okay stop thinking session ended let's go and harmonize for information purposes or let's go to the next uh, topic where we do have the information we need why because uh, the thinking exercise is only as good as the kind of information available to you you know to use in that sort of thing so really really important okay really 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 important so let's let's take it back mass shooting problems in america or the problem of mass shootings in america now here's so if, when we sit down we say okay let's use the five whys as i think into so the first why is why is there a problem why is there a mass shooting problem in america and so now depending on who you ask so i'm going to try to to be it's not i'm, I'm not american and I'm, i do not live in america i know a lot of people who do but I'm going to try to approximate what I think the average person on the street is going to say, as well as a mixture of what people on the left and on the right in terms of the political spectrum slash social, um, cultural, social cultural spectrum would say. Just, just plain, I'm not, I'm not trying to fix the problem. I'm trying to demonstrate how thinking tools can be used in fixing problems. So, problem number one, or the... Problem level one, the problem of mass shootings in America. So you say, why is there a problem of mass shootings in America? Well, the obvious problem is, so so we can say, so many of the wrong people have guns. Now, a different person might say, too many guns. A different person might say, too many bullets. A different person might say, not enough training. And a different person might say, oh, a, a breakdown, gun culture. You know, and the willingness to kill as opposed to the willingness to heal. Yes. So, but whichever one is picked. So, let's, uh, let's pick one. Let's pick the most... Um, because I'm trying to show you the effectiveness of these tools, yeah? So, let's pick, let's pick um, maybe one of the more outlandish ones. You know, so let's say... Let's use um, one of the most silly things I've heard. Video games. So, it says... Why is there a problem of mass shootings in America? And then someone says, video games. And the next question is, why are video games a problem that leads to mass shootings in America? Then it goes to, well, aside the first shooter video games. And then it goes, because they're so realistic. And then you say, why? Why? Are they so realistic? Well, then you go to because the it's being realistic and desensitizes people to the real effects of their actions. Okay, and you see, so now, now, now here's where we're going because you see, for every level of the why you ask, you can begin to create micro solutions. 
for every why that you ask, you can create micro solutions. So, for example, why there's so many mass shootings in America? Because, because of the de- of the of video games. So immediately you say, do we need to regulate the kind of video games you see? You know, that's a micro solution. It's not necessarily the answer. That's all. That's that's a little answer. It's not just the solution, but it might be useful. There go. There we go. So, but why are the video games? Because they're so realistic. So when I say oh, they're so realistic, that then begins to say, okay, is there a way we can? How do we then address the realisticness, as it were, of the games? How do we address that? And then from there, you begin to say, then the ideas of things like media literacy becoming more important and media literacy is such an interesting topic for me particularly as a thinking skills evangelist because the information age um, is is the reason for a lot of the problems we have today but let me say it this way the way we engage with information today man society isn't really prepared for it there's such thing as too much information there's such a thing as um, the old guard and the gatekeepers are no longer as are no longer viewed as legitimate sometimes rightly so but many times unfairly so um, there's so much problems around competence competence cross-competence failure, you know, so if, if the best doctor in the world is advising you about baking, the best doctor in the world advising you about baking is not, is just as useful as the best baker in the world advising you about medicine. It's just not the same. The gatekeepers, those who were the custodians of what was available to the zeitgeist what was available to people in the general in general those people whose positions are no longer there anybody with an internet access can post anything the things around credibility how credibility was gained in the past and how suitability was measured the the, the value the quantity and quality of public discourse has changed significantly and now it's really for the better in many ways even though it's been for the good in so much, so many ways, which is where media literacy then becomes important. The ability to un- to view things, the ability to differentiate between a video game and reality, the ability to differentiate between violence on TV and violence in the streets, the ability to differentiate between gun culture and their willingness to kill, you know, as opposed to the willingness to not be in danger of being killed comes into play among other things all right so so but so let, let's let's go back let's backtrack a bit and let me just build it out because this is getting longer than i planned and then we'll just build it out and then just talk a bit and and i would like to just keep that conversation going on in your head yeah okay so let's go back problem statement one this the problem with masters in america why are there masters in america well because of too many realistic video games or because of video games and why is that a problem because they are too realistic the realistic first person shooter video games okay so why is that a problem because 
people are not they are not media literate. They do not understand how to differentiate between fantasy and reality, how to differentiate between fiction and reality, how to differentiate between how to understand that the person that is there cutting somebody else's head on TV did not cut the person's head on TV. And it is going to be a ridiculous thing for you to think you can't go and cut off someone's head on TV just because you saw someone else do it. So men so media media literacy then says we need to that so but why is there poor so you can then go why is there poor media literacy? And you say because of this educational standards of the country. So and you say okay so why are those standards poor? Excellent. Now remember when you say media literacy it then begins to, oh we can we can fix that. We can we can fix it if we introduce media literacy into all schools, you know, from from um Maybe not kindergarten, but you know, primary level, secondary, whatever. Media literacy courses that people should study as as the same way they study math, um, English, science, media literacy. Media literacy. So so one can do that. That's that's already a micro solution. And then you move even so but why why is so educational system, because the educational system is poor, so it says okay, we can fix that. Or the next question then comes. Why is the educational system poor? Well, because of the way education is funded in parts of America. I do not necessarily know enough about American politics to make this, but my understanding is that many times in, as for education, um, it's up to the state slash local governments to fund those public schools, you know, in that sense. So then we have a funding problem. So why is the, is the educational system poor? Because of the flawed funding problem in you know the in American public schools. They go to why <laughs> why is there a funding problem? Well because of the politics and the politicians there. And they can go on and on until you get to the place where you feel that your solution your you get to a, a problem statement that you feel most in control of one and um, most actionable two. Now, depending on who is doing the thinking exercise, the the place you stop depends on who is doing the thinking exercise. So, for example, so let's say it's a teacher that is doing this thinking exercise. We'll still keep the same framework, all right? So, the problem, okay, so the problem of mass shootings in America. And then, so it's a teacher. So, why is it? So, let's say, I mean, for whatever reason, the person says, video games. The teacher is already thinking, okay, video games, um, or... Because it's so realistic, teachers are thinking, okay, um, media literacy, maybe we could do something, or because of poor media literacy. Now, by the time it goes to educational system, it's beginning to get outside the low cost of control for the teacher. Now, that's going into a larger part of society. And then when you talk about the funding of that system, it goes even further. Now, a politician playing that same role. And many times, sometimes people are able to just collapse some of these steps such that their own five whys is somebody else's 15 whys. You know, so some, someone just reads it. So there are people who just ask that. The problem of mass in America, and it says, and the person just goes to the poor, the poor education, the, 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 the failure of the educational system. And you're like, what? Yes, but person has done the five whys so that person's own first why is somebody else's own like third, fourth whys. Now usually that's either because of experience and familiarity with the subject, you know, that sort of thing. And so 
when we understand those kind of dynamics in our thinking exercises, we're able to get to places where, so we're able to rearrange that the problem statement in a way that we can fix. Same way we kind of move the problem, you know, from in front of our faces, three, yeah, three inches from our heads, we're able to move it backwards and smaller to, to when it was manageable. That's the same way you can take a problem statement that is that broad and say the mass shooting, the problem of mass shootings in America, and then you can reduce it to media literacy. The failure of the, the is to is, is that so you then end up with a statement about you know the failure of the educational system in helping people understand media literacy. So now that's a problem. Now so the next step in an effective thinking exercise is then to create a problem statement from this new problem. So we started with the problem of mass shootings in America. We ended with the failure of the educational system in America. All right. So we then, up to this statement now, the, the failure of that system, we then create a proper problem statement out of, the, out of this frame, the failure of the educational system in America. Fantastic. So from here, we then sit down and create a useful, viable problem statement, which has many parts. Um, if, you, if you're familiar with my work, you may have heard it before, or my online course. I have an online course. It's called Upthink 2.0, and it's about improving your own thinking for life at home, work, and play. Very important, powerful training. But, but here's a little excerpt from it. Um, an effective problem statement has five parts. So the, 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 the problem we've, we've been able to call, that we're able to extract. Remember, we started from the problem of mass shootings in America, and now we are at the failure of the educational system in America, right? So they're very different things, even though they're related. But that statement, the, the failure of the educational system in America, is not a good problem statement, even though it might be an accurate statement of the problem. It's not a good problem statement. A good problem statement must have five elements, and I I I, I help people remember those elements by the acronym PRISM. 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 The problem must be stated in a positive way. So don't say the failure of the educational system. It needs to be said how to improve the educational system. Um, the problem needs to be realistic, okay? The education system is such a wide-ranging topic, such that you can't. That's not how best. That's not the most effective way to say it. For the problem to be realistic, or the word is not even realistic. It's realer. For the problem to be realer, then you can you can go to uh, how to improve K to K to twelve education. Can you see the difference? Now, we say, oh, educational system, such a wide thing. But you say K to 12, aha, the problem looks more sensible. You say, oh, yes, okay, I understand this. It, it's, it, it's contracted a bit. It's contracted a bit. So, so, so there's that. And I, it must be inspirational. Your problem statement must be inspirational. Everybody has problems. So nobody really wants to hear your problem, even you. So you have to state your problem in language that inspires you as a person. You have to say your problems in such a way that when you yourself read that problem statement at the back of your diary or in front of your diary or on a whiteboard or a vision board somewhere, on a 
you want to solve that problem. And so we can enrich this uh, problem. So, so we're saying how to improve K to 12 education in America to, and then add some inspiration and to create a generation of, of con confident, well-adjusted adults. Confident, well-adjusted adults who will be fantastic citizens, as it were. But I think the inspirational element, you shift, you shift the, the problem itself from a problem problem to a, oh, you know, mm, I, I, I can do something with this. S is, um, is just to share the pain. Share the pain. Every problem you have, there's somebody who is helping you have that problem, who is leading to that problem. And or there's somebody you are accountable to because of that problem. You know, so for example, when, so we can enrich the problem statement further. You know, how to improve the educational system by engaging our politicians and activist groups. How to how to improve the K to twelve you know educational system in America by engaging the politicians and activist groups to improve the syllabus. You know, to to improve the syllabus or to include media literacy. <coughs> Media literacy, you know, creatively, you know, to that end, all right? Um, so, so you have to share the pain. And by sharing the pain, I, I brought in the politicians and activist groups. Um, and then you can also bring in the students as well, you know, so as to create, you know, well-adjusted adults, civic adults who have a better gun culture. You know, so, so by sharing the pain, you're connecting... People essentially sharing the pain is about connecting people. Either people that are giving you the pain, or people who will you are accountable to for the pain. So, as a teacher, for example, you know he's thinking about bringing the politicians and activists and uh, to make the students better. You know, so that sort of thing. Then, um, in a creative way, and then M is minimizers. So you have to use minimizers in your problem statement. It kind of and such a lovely, simple uh, mental um, th thinking tool slash trick, trick really. And by using minimizers, you what you do is you. It, it just kind of it kind of brings some degree of, like a full stop, some degree of enclosement, not closure, an enclosement. Uh, so it kind of captures it like. Put it in a pot. I said, okay, here's an enclosement of this thought. All right. So we've gone from, you know, the failure of the educational system in America to how to improve K to 12 education by the introduction of media literacy, leveraging of the, uh, the politicians and activist groups and teachers and old student mentors. In a way that leads to a new generation of well-adjusted citizens who have a better, way better gun culture within, and then so one thing you need to do is bring in a time element within the next three to six months, or within the next six months to one year, or within the next two years, three years, you know, within, and then they add only only you can use or you can use just so so there are a few interesting words that minimizers 
words like uh, just. So, how to increase just K-12. So, in your public service, how to improve the K-12 K twelve um, educational system just using politicians and activists only such that we are able to get a new generation of only um, um, one million graduates every year who will be well-adjusted well-adjusted and civic-minded with a far better own culture and policy simply in in the next you get the picture so by using those minimizers there's, there's a sense of conciseness there's a sense of having like borders there's a sense of being enclosed there's a sense of completeness there's a sense of a box into which you can put stuff in and, and deepen and enrich it or take stuff out you know to make it more useful more concise more presentable and the like hmm. so that is a little something for us all um, and I hope we've learned something from it. So just to recap, we to have difficult conversations or to have difficult thinking, to have difficult topics to think about, there are a few key things. First, we've spoken about how you need to create effective space between you and your problem. You know, so such that the problem feels if you close your eyes, the problem feels too near. Double the space between you and it times two times three times four times five. Shrink the size from. TV style to laptop style to pod style to phone style to watch style depending on how on wherever you feel most comfortable and capable to deal with the problem they're not having fast rules that's one two is in in is to do a root cause analysis for any problem and every problem and we spoke specifically in this case about the five whys as a thinking tool to deconstruct any problem so one of the things we did was we looked at the problem statement, the initial problem statement, and we said, oh, you know, the problem of mass shootings in America. And then from there, what we were able to do was to use the, the five whys as a thinking tool. And we ended up by playing a teacher, which is, I played teacher. You know, different roles, different people would have a different combination of five whys, yeah? All right. So, so um, <clears throat> we ended with the failure of the educational system in america as being the cause for mass shootings and then we now created a problem a, a more effective a real problem system was now created from that which kind of summarizes as you know how to improve k to 12 k1 to 12 education by the introduction of media literacy by engaging just politicians and activists within the next six to three months in a way that leads to a new generation of one million Americans who will be extra civic-minded, well-adjusted, with a far superior, smarter, and safer gun culture in America. Full stop. And we are able to get this interesting statement by ap applying the PRISM algorithm to that problem statement to get a better problem to get an effective problem statement to get a problem statement that inspires and empowers you when you look at it when you hear it when you read it 
so that's that that's the goal that's the goal i hope you've learned something new i hope you've learned something new and <clears throat> um, so think about it think about it at, at the end of this pod um, um podcast i want you to pause i want you to think about it again i want you to practice it now you could use the marketing problems you could use any other kind of problems um, but explore it. Explore how to use the five thinking tool, the five whys, as a thinking tool for the root cause analysis. Now, of course, mind you, it's really simplistic, but it's freaking potent. Very, very potent. It will get you somewhere. It will get you somewhere because it's your problem. It's not my problem. It's your problem. And you have a vested interest in fixing it. You have a vested interest in fixing it, which is why... It's so important. And I, and, I, and I believe in you. And I believe, I believe you. I believe you. I believe in you. If you have a problem that you want to fix, create that effective space. Use the five whys. And create a potent problem statement using the prism algorithm. And, and you, are, you are immediately, like I said, the better the thinker, the better the world. Better thinking, better world. Then, Greater thinking, greater world. Effective thinking, effective world. All problems are thinking problems. All solutions are thinking solutions. Thinking is the fundamental human resource. Better change your thinking, change your world. Thank you very much. Um, I hope you've learned a lot. I hope you've learned something new. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the next one. Catch you the next one. Bye for now. I remain Dr. Akio Dubito, medical doctor, medical literacy professional, thinking skills evangelist, and author, Common Errors in Thinking. You can find it on Amazon, uh, Script, Apple Bookstore, and every other place you can get books. Thank you very much. God bless you. Have a lovely one.